Something beautiful about people is that we are designed to delight in other people, to connect and bond with them, and sometimes to fall in love and give them our whole heart. What we know about childhood trauma is that it can distort that natural process of finding someone to love, and it can mislead you into attaching to people who cannot love you back and who may be happy enough to take from you sexually and emotionally if you turn out to have trauma-driven boundary problems where getting rejected just makes you give them more. Have you done that? It hurts and it can make you turn against yourself and it can confuse your mind. To people looking at this from the outside, it's easy to see that when you give yourself to someone who's already said they can't love you, it can only leave you feeling ripped off. My letter today is from a man I'll call Stephen, and he writes, Dear Anna, exclamation point. <laughs> I grew up in a very chaotic household. My father was absent since I was born, and my mother was an emotionally neglectful person who I think struggled with her own traumas that she never worked on or could heal from. All right, I've got my fairy pencil going. I'm going to circle some things I want to come back to on a second reading, but let's go through Stephen's letter and see what's going on. He says, my mother was oftentimes emotionally abusive and also physically abusive when I was a child. Okay, here we go. But financially, she was always very supportive. So for a long time, I couldn't believe or accept that I was actually abused because I always thought that she at least supported me financially. So what can I truly complain about? <laughs> Why do I think that's something she would say? Also, I find it important to mention something that I was deeply ashamed about for many years and didn't even tell my friends and only told my ex after two years into the relationship. My mother worked as a spiritual healer and leader for many years, so she had a lot of people around her who looked up to her as a healer and savior, and this caused me deep cognitive dissonance because while I experienced the physical and emotional abuse, there were people around her who told me what a beautiful and wonderful person she is, what they would do if they could have a mother like that. And I think after a while, I just internalized this and pushed down the abuse and just started to blame myself as a horribly ungrateful child. Huh. I have a story about that. All right. Recently, my first ever true long-time relationship ended, four and a half year relationship, with someone who I imagined I would be with for the rest of my life. There were many signs in the past few years this would happen. We struggled a lot in this relationship. We were both depressed. Ah, we both realized we had untreated ADHD and the relationship just got into this icky mud, <laughs> good word, that we couldn't get out of. At, at times, I can admit I wasn't the best boyfriend. I was clearly depressed and unhappy, even though she always tried to get me to start therapy and my ADHD diagnosis. I always found excuses why I wouldn't do it. Eventually, this summer, she broke up with me, partly because we simply were just not making each other better, and also partly because the amount of influence my mother had on our life together. Wow. It is important to mention I started working in the family business with my mother after I finished high school, and I have been working there ever since, which slowly destroyed my confidence and just made me more depressed than ever before, and this meant my mother had financial and emotional control over me. So after the breakup, I realized something had to change and that I actually had to take my life into my own hands, so I started going to therapy. I lost a lot of weight. I started socializing more. I started studying what actually interests me and trying to find a new job. 
I even started my ADHD diagnosis. Oh, progress, okay. Everything was going well. I still had my general depression, but I was starting to feel better, even starting to date again until I met this girl. I'll call her Abby, one month ago. I have to admit, I'm a guy who generally struggles with self-confidence and self-hatred. So usually I'm not the best at dating and I don't understand if someone is into me because I just can't see why. And then one day I, I matched Abby through a dating app who in my opinion was so out of my league. She was gorgeous, she was a dentist, she had a prestigious career, she seemed very confident and funny. And at first I thought it was an accident. <laughs> and then she messaged me at first, while I was really happy, I immediately started to think, why, why would she be interested in me? This is weird, but I went with it. We immediately hit it off. She had a really good sense of humor, was into the same things as me, and I have this tendency to trauma dump. So I told her my mother is a narcissist and I suffer from CPTSD. And she told me she also has a narcissistic mother who also was very abusive and she went to therapy for three and a half years. So I immediately fell into this deep connection with her. And that is when I think my limerence started. Okay. After one day of texting, I asked her out and she said yes. Originally there was no set date because my next few days were busy, but we said we will discuss it in the upcoming days. Imagine my surprise <laughs> when the next day she messaged me while I was at work that we could meet that day if I'm interested and I said yes. And the first date was amazing. We were together for six hours. We talked about everything, our interests, our family life, etc. And in the end, I said I would be happy to meet again and she agreed and we met a few more times. To my surprise, most of the time she initiated the dates and all of them were amazing. And we pretty much met five to six times in the first two weeks. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Okay. And all of them lasted from two to eight hours. Oopsie, I'll tell you about that too. <laughs> we talked every day online. She always asked how my day was, threw, she threw out dates, etc. And then on one of the dates, she mentioned something that made me a little anxious about being emotionally burned out. And I asked her, what is she looking for right now? And she told me she had a habit of jumping from relationship to relationship, that she can be quite closed, um, of even even in a long committed relationship that living together with a partner is a huge fear for her. And she's not sure if she ever wants to do that. And that right now she doesn't want to jump into a relationship immediately, but she's open to it. <laughs> There's a little fish hook of doom. All right. She also told me she had a habit of getting guys to seriously fall in love with her, but then she gets scared and breaks their heart. Uh, I don't, I'm having trouble liking her right now. I will be honest, on the inside there was something screaming in me that these are red flags. This is not what I'm looking for, but I was so infatuated and obsessed with her, I pretty much fully ignored the voice. And the week after this date, she started to be a little more distant, but we still talked quite regularly and we even had a phone conversation. And we talked about some of the deepest traumas we had and I told her things I never told anyone. Oh, yeah, I see, I see, I see. After which she told me she's even more attracted to me. After this, we had one more date, which I can admit was very impulsive and a stupid decision from me, but we went to have a tattoo made together. Nothing specific about her, <laughs> Stephen says, just my favorite animal, but still a tattoo. <laughs>
<laughs> after which we played board games. I had a fantastic evening together. We had a date planned for the next Monday, which she canceled five minutes before the meetup. And the next few days, I could really feel the energy shift. She didn't initiate conversations anymore. She was much more dry conversationally and barely responded. And that week was hell on earth for me. For years, even when the worst things happened to me, I couldn't cry. And that week I cried two to three times a day. I couldn't eat. I couldn't think about anything but her. My suicidal thoughts came back. I was anxious. It was horrible. And this is when I found your channel and I tried everything, writing, meditating, but nothing helped. After a few days, I realized I can't do this anymore. And I told her I just want to have a phone conversation for five minutes and then I won't bother her anymore. And before calling her, I made the decision that no matter what she answers, I have to end this with her because it's making me dysregulated and unhappy and opened up abandonment wounds I was not ready to face. We talked and I asked her if I can feel it correctly that she's losing interest and she told me she wanted to talk about this in person. Although I don't know when, since she didn't offer to meet in person, that she realized she's not ready for a relationship now. She just likes to have a romantic partner in her life. But right now she can only imagine a friends with benefits situation and that she feels that I want a relationship too, too much. I'm circling that, wants a relationship too much. And she doesn't want me to feel there could be anything else. <sighs> to be honest, at first I was relieved because for the past week I felt like I was going crazy. I could feel there was a shift in her energy, but I was just gaslighting myself that she's just working a lot and I'm being clingy and everything is okay. And I'm just being an emotional idiot. And I didn't listen to my gut feeling again. And we met once more in person because she wanted to talk about this in person too. And she left her umbrella at my workplace. Ah, ah, when she visited me there once, there she told me the same thing. I told her that while I understand her reason, it really hurt that after all those deep talks where we shared our biggest traumas, all those amazing dates, she started to pretty much ghost me and that it hurt what she did. At the end, she asked me if there was anything else I wanted to say. And I said, no. And I asked her if there was anything else she wanted to say. And she said, well, no, this didn't touch her as deeply as it did me, which I think destroyed me even more on the inside. Then she offered, we could remain friends. Ah, you know what I'm going to say about that friends, friends, but only if it wouldn't bother me, if she started dating again, which she would do pretty soon by her words, I thankfully declined. Yes, Stephen, good job. And we haven't talked since I blocked her everywhere after a week and tried to go on with my life. It's slowly getting better. I even had a date with someone else, which went well, but anytime I'm not distracting my mind with work or something, she just keeps popping back into my head and the limerence starts again. And I start feeling sad or sometimes I even start crying or sobbing. And I just can't understand why did a two week long thing like this impact me so much and why I just can't move on. <laughs> I know, right? But there it is. I have started to feel guilt because this situation impacted me much more deeply than the actual four and a half year relationship with the person I loved more than anything. I can function much better now than a week ago. At least I can concentrate on work and school, but I still think too much about her and talk too much about her to friends. And, and I can feel they are starting to become a little annoyed by it. And to be honest, I'm starting to feel annoyed by it. I still do all the self work, but I just don't seem satisfied by it anymore. 
This rejection reinforced my self-hatred, opened up abandonment wounds, and I can't seem to be happy about any accomplishment and achievement I've done in, for the past two weeks. And I just want to learn to love myself or at least accept myself and not constantly criticize myself for the mistakes and faults. Please, Anna, I need your help. What should I do to get over this and not feel constantly depressed by this? I think I need your tough love. Thanks for all the help. <laughs> all right, Stephen, I got you. Gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, boy, did you dodge a bullet here. I really don't like this woman. She is what I call a vampire. And she probably doesn't think of it that way at all. And there are people who are watching her are like, hey, all's fair, right? But she told you kind of midway through this, it's like, I really like to get into relationships and then I break their hearts. And that's like an archetype in literature, like a devouring spider female. And you got stuck in the web. And here's why I think there's hope about this. Why I think that you can make the most of this heartbreak right now is when you tell me about your childhood and sort of stuck in your mother's web and her whole thing and her whole spiritual, I'm so great. This I told you I had a story. So my mother wasn't like a, a leader of anything, but she was very charismatic. She was beautiful and intelligent and charismatic. And I loved her and everyone loved her so much. And people would say that to me all the time. You're so lucky you have the most amazing mom. I just can only imagine what that was like. What they didn't see and what I was did not feel free to discuss is that she was extremely drunk every day. There was like two weeks when I was 12 that she wasn't drunk and then she was drunk again. She always had severe alcoholism growing up and that doesn't make for a good parent. She was really checked out. She was really um, dismissive and unaware of what all, we, there were four of us kids, three, three, three different husbands, four kids, and what we needed and even down to food. We sometimes were hungry. We didn't have health care. We needed antibiotics sometimes and we'd have to go to the neighbors and uh, it wasn't good. And she also, she seemed particularly hard on my sister and me. Didn't help us with school. She helped my sister's ex-boyfriends with school, but she didn't help us with school. Weird, right? I don't even know what to think about that. She mispronounced my name and misspelled my name. Just kind of takes the cake, right? And so I felt so invalidated and I used to be very driven to want to be in her good graces. So what I hear in your letter is, like, you have pretty good perspective here on how your mom the narcissistic abuse and how you were stuck in her web. So, okay, women are going to be a little webby for you at first. And you're working that you're figuring this out. So you had a long-term relationship and you know, you were very depressed. I'll tell you what, when we grow up with trauma, with abuse and neglect, we, it's just really, really normal to feel depressed and in relationships, out of relationships, there are these waves of depression and things that feel like endings or things that feel like spider webs, like all of it can trigger this trauma-driven mental health collapse. So everything that you're describing, like I totally relate to you, I get it. I think it's normal symptoms and yeah, it's time to heal. Sometimes we don't really take seriously what is gonna have to happen to heal until somebody comes along and really messes up our shit, can I just say? And this woman, I mean, is it even worth talking about? I really don't like this and her just leaving the umbrella, even little things like that. Was it unconscious? I don't know, but what a lot of trouble. I don't blame you at all. I think how somebody after two weeks can become so important is when they're actually like an avoidant, like she is, maybe she's got disorganized attachment or she's avoidant. I don't know. She's out of your life now. So we don't really care what she has. We just know 
that she was dazzling when you were with her and it was so much fun and she was so there and you had it all in common. Of course you loved that. And then she switched it off. And um, so the school of hard knocks, brother, this is what we go through finding out like just because everything feels like that at the beginning, we still have to go slowly, emotionally, maybe sexually as well so that we don't bond with that. And that old like hurt place in us doesn't kind of just go, oh, am I safe now? Can I just like put my whole life into this relationship? We do it quickly. You did it quickly. I used to do it quickly. And it wasn't until I learned to just like second guess that gut instinct to just rush all the way in because it felt good at the time because the person was charismatic because it was fun you know there's this huge question of can they be with you and is that what they want and people can really only figure that out slowly including you including her including you though your your business is you so it's going to take time for you to do this and i really recommend you know, okay i have a dating course i you might want to check this out you get very clear about the qualities that you want but i teach you like here are six different ways that we go into magical thinking instead of paying attention to the red flags and there are structural things that we can do a structured dating a way of dating to go slowly and get information and not get let the cart get ahead of the horse where we're very emotionally attached to the person before you've even had the conversation that she doesn't really want a relationship and she has a history of just like <laughs> messing men up that's good to know but it would have been good to know in the beginning right so i don't blame you at all How, what, a, what an attractive and fun thing and now you're sort of experiencing the dimensions of your cptsd and how it allows you sometimes to go blindly into a situation that you can't really handle and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with you that's just normal we we end up we have poor red flag detectors at the beginning or we override them that attachment wound is pretty powerful and then we're in it and we have trouble hearing and processing what's what's actually happening so that we can appropriately guard ourselves i love a lot of the things you did here you pulled back you said your truth you know and then i don't know she kept pushing on you and pushing on you and anybody when they have a broken heart can be pushed that's pretty tricky i don't i don't think you did anything wrong here but it's just information for you about how to do this going forward it feels like she was this amazing great love but you know from the outside you can just see she's messed up heartless not for you you're like a real man you're going to be a great catch for somebody who wants a real one <laughs> somebody who has a heart and cares and who deals with their problems so you're just a little gem in a little package <laughs> and what healing does is it helps you kind of brighten up your light so that it shines and you start having boundaries you know there's certain things you can't do like maybe for you it's not rushing in maybe for you it's find out what the other person's intentions are generally in their life before you get very involved with them and only date people where the intentions about what they want in the future align well enough with yours it might be things like that and then it's a little safer you know you're not going to get into something where there's this colossal mismatch but now you're emotionally hooked and you can't leave you, it's good to be able to leave you want to stay where you can leave so it's this dance that nobody taught us at home about how to kind of open your heart so you can feel the other person and let them in a little bit but also have a boundary and have one foot out the door up until a certain point where you begin to step inside and be in the relationship so all of that we just don't time it very well all the instincts are there like it's all good parts of you it's just timing weird and you can think of it like a car cars have timing too. the engine the timing's off the car breaks down 
but it's a good car and we can get we can get ourselves back in sync and that's what healing trauma is it's a process of healing your nervous system so you have a way to comfort yourself when things are feeling too intense when you can't process information you have a way to slow down you have sort of guardrails on that and ideally you have a some other men in your life who are also walking this path of healing and trying to have healthier relationships and you are friends with them who are honest with each other and support each other these are the people you can call or text you know or go go out for coffee with when you're confused and having a hard time and you help each other see when when one person is in the fog of attraction and thinking i better rush in their friend who is prone to the very same kind of fog they're not in the fog because they're not in that relationship and they can say seems kind of fast to me Stephen. Um, maybe you could just slow it down so structured dating has like very practical things like how often you see the person how long you talk on the phone if you talk to them how many times you text them without reciprocation you know it's stuff that feels really artificial at first but it's a guardrail it keeps you with your attachment wound from getting ahead of yourself and it really helps you can always override it if it doesn't make sense and honestly all of us override it even when it doesn't make sense you know it's what we do but we start to teach ourselves to be to be measured, to be wise, to be supported, and to be kind of working towards the long-term plan of healing, which is we don't want to get jerked around by people who don't care about us. It's not good for your trauma. It's not good. And some people, you know, maybe have a very easy time with that kind of thing. Evidently she does. I don't know. Some people have an easy time. So they get to do that. Sometimes we decide we're not going to play. We're, that's not how we roll. And there are plenty of people who really love that about us. So take heart. There's a great future for you, you know, as you begin to recognize what you need in a relationship and you're able to take the time to discover if somebody, somebody matches you in that way. So Stephen, you said that you feel like you're in limerence and that may be true. It's been a couple weeks. I think that obsessing on somebody who just broke your heart is, you know, might, it might not even be like limerence. It's not quite addictive yet. It's natural, but that's what limerence is, is it's like this irrational kind of like, I'm just so into this person, even though they're gone, even though they're not into me, even though I know it can't work out. I just, it's when you just like keep giving it all your attention you're thinking about it, hoping for it, fantasizing about it, kind of, um, tricking reality a little bit, searching their social media, searching their social media for signs of where they are in relationship wise is a sign of limerence. I'm doing that. Okay. So you can catch yourself and you can stop. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.